Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Think about heat pumps, and I'm sure the vast majority of you will be thinking about electrically driven heat pumps. But that's not the only variety of heat pumps. Heat pumps can also be driven by heat itself rather than an electrical compressor. Some listeners might have heard about a gas-driven fridge, an example of a thermally driven heat pump. Well, today, many thousands of such such heat pumps driven by combustion of natural gas have been installed across Europe. And while boilers are efficient, thermally driven heat pumps are a step higher as they capture the low grade heat from the air around. And they can operate at efficiencies of up to 160% or or even more. So today, we're going to look at the state of thermally driven heat pumps and explore where this technology might be going and what role it has in the energy transition. So to delve into the topic, I've got three fantastic guests. Let's say hello to them. First up, David Dupuy, project manager uh, at Engie. Hello, David. Hello. Hello, John. Um, David, Engie is a very large energy company. Uh, Tell me very briefly what you do at Engie. Which part of the business do you work in and how are you working with thermally driven heat pumps? Yes, uh, so I work uh, in Engie Lab Crision. Engie Lab Crision Crision is one of the research division of uh, of Engie. I am a project manager and I am in charge of developing uh, maybe several projects dealing with gas heat pump. Okay, uh, so your day job is looking at gas heat pumps, at the technology, trials, market development, all of these things. Right, right. Okay, so you live and breathe thermally driven heat pumps. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, will we? Uh, let's come back to you shortly after we've introduced the other guests. My second guest is Stefan van Ufflen, CEO of Cool Technologies in the Netherlands. Hello, Stefan. Hi, good afternoon. Um, Stefan, now you're developing a thermally driven heat pump. Uh, can you give our listeners a elevator pitch, a, a very brief summary of what your product is that you're developing? Yes, uh, we are d- developing a, a thermally driven heat pump based on the carbon ammonia cycle. Uh, it's an absorption heat pump. And uh, what, a, what a heat pump does, and a thermally driven heat pump does, we take air from the outside together with the heat from burning gas and the sum of those two we put in a house. And um, and the aim is to do it efficient. And our technology, uh, our origin is uh, um, from cryogenic cooling. So uh, okay. for the for the European Space Agency. And uh, the challenge was to cool without moving parts. And when we developed this technology, we, we thought this would be very suitable for uh, for ambient, ambient use. And so we started in 2009 with developing uh, a heat pump based on this technology. Okay, so you've been doing this for many years, and I guess your goal is to have a, a product like a boiler with your technology inside that could go into homes and really increase the efficiency through which that gas is used. Yes, yes, we really re- focus on on a replacement product for the existing condensing boiler. It looks mm-hmm. like a condensing boiler, so it has the same connection. It can be wall hung. It's inside. We don't need an outside unit. Uh, it's very compact. So it's really a, a replacement product um, 
of the of the condensing boiler, but then with a higher efficiency. Okay. Uh, thanks, Stefan. So let's go to my third guest now, uh, my colleague and Delta EE expert, Stephen Ashurst. Hello, Stephen. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, John. Yeah, it's great to be back for another episode. Um, so I mentioned in the introduction, there are thousands of thermally driven heat pumps running in Europe today. But can you give us an idea on how big this market is in the context of the wider European heating market, the overall heating market? Mm -hmm. Well, if you look at it this way, products for business customers have been available for, for well over 10 years. Mm -hmm. So distribution there is quite established across several several European countries, uh, as well as further afield. And there are, um, you know, by this point, there are some strong uh, niches emerging. And we're at the point where there are there's an installed base of several thousand units in different and European be, countries. They might be in hotels or these sorts of buildings, for example. Yes, uh, hotels, schools, any kind of small commercial um, building where, ha where there is either a, a, a high heat load, a high yep. water load, or of course a, a cooling load in the summer as well. That's another yep. aspect that you can provide with, uh, with TDHPs. On the okay, residential so, side, oh, yep. sorry. So, so in that market, in the commercial and industrial market, they're established, but they're a relatively small part of the market, but they're established. Yes, uh, established, still, still growing, still developing. Um, on the residential side, the products have been available for less than 10 years. So there's yeah. a handful of companies on the market just now. There's one kind of standout market leader. Again, we're seeing several thousands uh, of sales per year, which are going into single family homes or maybe two family homes across okay. Europe. Okay, so again, established for homes. Uh, can you get them in every country in Europe? Are they only in certain countries? At this point in time, you can get them and distribution is quite closely matched up with, I guess, as you would expect, the big gas heating markets. Yeah. Where there's also a quite advantageous spark spread. So you're looking at Italy, you're looking at Germany, yeah. you're looking at Belgium, uh, Switzerland. And then um, I would say that's where activity has been concentrated thus far. But we've also seen activity when it comes to residential sales, UK, uh, Netherlands few other markets as well. Okay, so established, but in terms of the overall heating market, a small part or very small part today. Um, now, let's look at the how they work, because I'm sure some of our listeners will be scratching their heads thinking, how do you put heat in and then get what, well, one unit of heat in and get maybe 1.6 units of heat out? Um, well, the trick is in using the ambient heat from the air, which one of you would like to have a go at a really simple explanation of how does a thermally driven heat pump work? Yes, I can start if you want, John, and maybe uh, Stefan uh, can continue. Um, I think today for when we talk about a car heat pump, uh, it's necessary to distinguish with different technology. Okay. Today we have several technologies, absorption, adsorption and thermal compression. These technologies use a thermodynamic cycle. Energy is transferred from an external source to the heating system of a building. Yep. Therefore, a proportion of the power output is renewable. Very, very important. This okay. transfers 
is operated by a refrigerant, which carry out the thermodynamic cycle. Okay, so they the contain main, a refrigerant, they contain yes, a refrigerant yes, like an electrically yes, driven pump. Yes, the, and the, the, the last key point is the main difference between these three technology is located uh, at the compression stage. Okay. For the absorption and adsorption uh, technology, the compression will be characterized by the chemical reaction. For the thermal compression, the compression will be characterized by the mechanical actions, like okay. an engine, for example. But yeah. I think it will be better that my colleague Stephen will continue about to explain uh, his product. Okay, so just let me summarize for the listeners. Electrically driven heat pumps have an electric compressor. Thermally driven heat pumps have a different thing in place of that compressor, that electric compressor, as you described, David. It could be mechanical compression, could be a chemical reaction for absorption or absorption. And thermal, thermal compression. Yeah. Absorption, adsorption on thermal compression. And okay. for this compression, you consume uh, gas. You need to consume yep. gas for the reaction of desorption. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a chemical so, reaction, for example. So I'm sure if you're interested in listening, you can Google to get some nice pictures that are available uh, for this cycle. Um, <laughs> Stefan, tell us a, a bit about your product. Maybe not not necessarily so much from the really detailed technology, but what's in the box? What sort of things? If someone opened a box, your, your product, what would they see inside it? Um, yeah, from the outside, it looks like a condensing boiler because it has yep. the same connections. But if you open it um, from the gas burning side, it's, it still looks the same as a condensing boiler. So it will have a natural gas burner or a green gas burner or a hydrogen burner. Uh, yep. whatever gas you put in and then it really gets different because as, uh, as David explained um, we uh, if you compare it with an electric heat pump it's, it's much like an electric heat pump from that part on because yep. we need um, to compress uh, and, and to, to, to pump heat and electric heat pump does it with an electric heat pump and we do it thermally and with absorption it's actually a physical process not even a chemical process it's, it's yep. physics and um, we have two lungs, you could say, in our system. So we have two absorption arrays, and one is heated up, and then the other one is cooling, and then we change the cycle, and then the other one is heating up. So we are thermally pumping heat from one side to the other side. Okay. And can you do that? You said it looks like a condensing boiler. Can you do that in a box that's the same size as a condensing boiler, or does it have to be a bit bigger because it's more complex? Um, yeah, the challenge is to to get it in the same the same box, and yep. um, so we really see the different models we have get smaller and smaller. Um, so it will be about the same as a condensing boiler, but not as small as the the smallest units now available. Yeah. But it will okay. be it will be a less than 50 kilo kilogram, and it will it will be relatively small, so like 40 40 by 50 centimeters. Yeah. And uh, the difference will be on the on the top because we need air from the outside. So yeah. on the top, it's a little bit bigger if it goes to the wall or to the roof. It has a, a, a bigger pipe uh, outside, but that's relatively okay. Uh, limited. Yeah. Okay, so you're getting the you're capturing heat from the the air outside. You're doing that by in a way bringing that air into the unit, 
other heat, other thermally driven heat pumps or gas heat pumps will have an outdoor unit that looks maybe a bit like an electric heat pumps outdoor unit. Yes, so there, there you see yeah. a difference. Some units are outside, they will yeah. be placed uh, on your balcony. Uh, yeah. Some are inside and outside, so they have uh, pipes uh, outside. But in our system, the, the outside is, is taken inside. So it's a combination in one product and we take the air from the outside. And, and that's possible because a thermally driven heat pump, heat pump generally needs about a third of the air from the outside compared to an electric heat pump. So an electric heat pump, because of noise, they need a, a big uh, a big outside unit. And yeah. uh, thermally driven, uh, ge generally, all of them have smaller outside units. So that's, okay. that's why it's easier to place it inside. Okay, understand. Um, Stephen, you mentioned earlier on about uh, a number of products well, on the market, thousands of units installed. Stefan's product is being developed, is under development still. Uh, how many products are there? Are there lots of manufacturers? Are most in the market or most developing product? Is it a range? Is it a mix of both? Maybe a mix of both. I would say there's there's lots of development activity going on behind the scenes. Mm. There there are more products which are currently being developed, tested than are available just now. Um, but uh, yeah, we do see there's a, a bit of a, a conveyor or a queue forming of companies that look to launch uh, new products over the, the coming one, two, three, four, five years. Many uh, companies within Europe, both from the established boiler brands, from technology developers like Stefan, also from um, players further afield as well. It's, it's an increasingly interesting topic in, in okay. North America as well, for example. So there's quite a bit of R&D money. Well, there's products on the market and there's a lot of R&D money going into new products. Um, yeah, we see it as, it's quite an active area. And, and as we've discussed, there's the three branches of the technology or the three main branches, absorption, adsorption yeah. and thermal compression. Yeah, Companies yeah. Uh, arrange active in each in each area. Okay. Um, David, let's go to where you're based in, in France now. Um, so is there a, what's the market in France look like? Uh, is there a market, small market, growing market, big market? Ah, it's not a simple question, uh, John, <laughs> today. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, the French market is is poor. Uh, maybe uh, only uh, 100 units sold per year. Okay. Why? Why? Because we have only one product, which is which is a commercialized in France. But I am very, very uh, optimistic for the future. Why? Uh, today, uh, there are a lot of manufacturers, several manufacturers, um, who are developing their products. So I think uh, maybe in one or two years, three or five manufacturers will be ready to commercialize in Europe and I hope in France. I think uh, about uh, Boosted, for example, maybe Boosted will be ready this year, I hope. Ariston, Robur, maybe with uh, uh, their product for the residential market. And for the commercial market, maybe Panasonic, Technocasso, and another manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe Cool, I hope too, of course. It uh, Amp, maybe. And I know, uh, maybe, and you know, uh, two US uh, startups, Thermolift uh, and SMTI. These so, startups are, are um, 
have a real potential for the European uh, market. Yeah. So maybe it will be in another opportunity. Okay, so, so I am more, very optimistic. More products coming to market. Um, yeah. A question for for all of you, perhaps, in terms of the costs. So they cost more. There's more inside the box than there is a condensing boiler. Um, and presumably, it's a matter of the extra cost above a boiler compared to the amount of money you'll save because of the mm -hmm. increased efficiency. Um, so maybe, Stefan, from, from your product, do you have a view as to how much that extra cost might be? Or is that too early to say? Or um, David, maybe from your side, what do you see in France at the moment? Or Stephen, how, how much is that extra cost? Or we're talking double the boiler, triple the boiler, payback of five years, 10 years? Who'd like to yeah, go from, from our perspective, um, we aim to provide our technology to the different producers. So mm -hmm. you won't see uh, our brand in the market. So probably you will yeah. see uh, uh, the known brands with cool insight on it and they use yeah. our technology. So so um, it's it's I'm not allowed to sit, to sit on that chair and say something about their uh, market strategy. Yeah. Uh, so that will be different per country. But if we just look from a distance to our technology and sum up the parts that we have additionally to a condensing boiler, um, it definitely will be a, a, a very competitive product with okay. the condensing boiler. Okay. And if I look back in time and see the prices of condensing boilers in the 90s, um, we will have the same kind of cost price and we will end up a little higher because we have some additional parts. Yeah. But it's not that we yeah, simply, if you if you weight it, it's, it's less than 50 kilograms. So we don't have that many that many parts. And, and you've um, got there's nothing, no exotic materials or no real precision, very high precision engineering involved, Stefan. Yeah, there is some nanotechnology involved, mm -hmm. uh, which took a lot of years to develop. So we have been developing for 11 years, but yeah. at the end, uh, the product is relatively simple with with a, a small amount of moving parts. So in that case, it's also uh, uh, reliable uh, as a product. And yeah. so, so we think, and, and that, I think that's the same for for the, for some some uh, competing products. Uh, so I think the thermally driven heat pump, uh, in terms of cost price, uh, has a better future than electric heat pump. Yeah. And okay. uh, if you really compare it with the condensing boiler, that's challenging. That's a very mature product. Um, yeah. But if you compare it with electric heat pumps, we we don't we don't need that many parts, and uh, they can be can become smaller. Okay. So. It will be a volume manufacturing game today. Condensing boilers are very high volume. The industry has been very successful at driving the cost down. And uh, thermally driven heat pumps are on that, that curve of scaling up. I've got yes. two. Yes, we expect that the, that the thermally driven heat pump will replace the condensing boilers in yeah. 10 to 15 years. Okay. And of course, electric heat pumps will probably also take a third of the market. I think the, the thermally driven heat pumps in 2030 will also be a third of the market, and that's that's written in in, in many research uh, projects from Fraunhofer, etc. So, so there will be no condensing boilers like there are like the the the, the, the non-condensing boilers are being replaced everywhere at the moment. This this technology will replace condensing boilers in in, in 10 to 15 years. Okay. Well, now we're looking forward. I'd like to look at the gas that is used because some people listening may think, okay, they use natural gas. If we're to uh, hit net zero by 2050, there's no room for natural gas. Um, 
we've got a lot of well green gases in the system today uh, hydrogen is a, the big hope for the gas sector that we can switch from natural gas to hydrogen at some point maybe blend to begin with and then hydrogen so can these products if you're burning gas presumably you could burn hydrogen are these products all able to to work on hydrogen are people actually testing them on hydrogen today who'd like to to respond to that yes yes uh, hydrogen is uh, is, is is a very very logical step in the future so so we agreed within the reheat program uh, already that any thermally driven heat pump by any producer should be or has to be hydrogen ready okay so if you buy a thermally driven heat pump you start a journey to a sustainable future first step is you save yeah. about 30% or 40% of natural gas that's the first step so you really a reduced amount of gas you use hmm. second will be the amount what comes into your house will be more more and more green gas and the third step it will be more and more hydrogen so it will be yep. a blend so about 30 percent of the gas can be hydrogen without any problem um, and somewhere maybe in 10 years maybe in 15 years your neighborhood will probably switch to hydrogen and then yep. your condensing your 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 terminally driven heat pump will be ready to uh, to burn hydrogen as well. Well, so that's the journey. Uh, you start with buying a thermally driven heat pump. We'll avoid getting into, if you don't mind, avoid getting into the hydrogen electric debate today. But uh, it's likely hydrogen will have a role in the future in terms of heating homes. And I think it makes a huge amount of sense to use that hydrogen in the most efficient way. And from what you've all explained, a thermally driven heat pump can be very efficient. It, a lot more efficient than a boiler. David, are you are you testing units on hydrogen today, or is that something you will be doing? Do you think? No. Um, to, today we, we plan to test a pure hydrogen uh, casting pump, maybe in one year. In one okay. year, okay. We yeah. we plan to to test about four, I think four four appliances for four casting pump, okay. Mm. Pure hydrogen, okay. Uh, just to to complete the explanation of Stefan. Yes, I agree, of course, with Stefan because it's a, it's a step by step. Okay, the first the mm. green green gases will be it's a key point for the future. Okay, uh, one of of the objective of of NG is to is to deploy green gases. So in this context, the green gas heat pump will play a main role. So the first step will be to to deploy a gas heat pump with biogas, biomethane. Uh, a blend uh, hydrogen plus natural gas yeah. and of course and the second step will be the pure hydrogen yeah 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 it's i think today green gases is a key point it will yeah. be why the heat pump will be a main role well let's look forward a bit now uh, and in terms of what it will take to develop the market um stephen maybe you'd like to to start with the things you Think need to be put in place or happen to take this market. Well, we've talked about the products. The product, more products need to come to market. David, you mentioned that as a challenge. Stefan, you've explained how your products come into market. But beyond more products coming to market, Stephen, what sort of things can help to get from thousands to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions a year across Europe? I think there's basically there's a lot of things that could happen and uh, are quite possible that they will happen over the coming years. I guess to begin with, uh, just 
an increased focus on renovating existing buildings mm-hmm. across Europe. So, you know, over 100 million existing buildings connected to the gas network, which will also need to begin to decarbonize at a faster rate. The renovation wave is a big target of the European Commission over this, this decade. And as we've yeah. heard, uh, even in, in existing homes, where uh, per, perhaps you don't uh, have enough uh, resources or, or, or um, you know, financial um, resources to change the heat distribution system to really heavily insulate, you can achieve mm-hmm. 30-40% 30 savings from a thermally driven heat pump there. The products yeah. that are on the market just now typically are supported with incentives as well. So I mentioned earlier the, the domestic products that are available in Belgium, Germany, Italy. They, if they don't receive um, their own subsidy, which occasionally they do, they will also typically receive the same level of support, like a, like an electric pump would, for example. Yeah. So a big push on renovation is certainly um, important. Um, gas grid decarbonisation, we've covered. That yeah. takes you to that extra, if you're blending hydrogen in, in the short term, an extra, let's say, 7% CO2 savings if yeah. you're putting in 20% into the grid. Uh, cooling is another uh, aspect which I think over the next decade could really be in favour mm. of, uh, of thermally driven heat pumps as well. That's the, the cooling market in Europe, especially the the cooling and renovation, is really just starting to, to pick up. Yeah. And in areas where the electricity supply is con- constrained, or it's uh, very expensive to upgrade an, electric, yeah. an electricity connection, for example, to put in air conditioning, uh, thermally driven heat pumps would have... Uh, a strong opportunity there as well. So those are a few of uh, the usual new business models as well. Yeah. There's no reason these technologies can't fit with the heat as a service model, like other heating appliances can too. Um, I see. I see um, lots of lots of opportunities. What about building with any new technology? Part of the challenge is building confidence amongst policymakers, amongst the industry, amongst customers. So uh, I think there's plans for a potential demonstration program. Stephen, can you give, tell us a bit about that, what that might look like and how important you think that will be to build confidence in the in the sector? Yes, certainly. So Stefan already touched on it earlier. It's called the, mm. the Reheat EU project or Reheat EU consortium. At this point in time, uh, ourselves along with members of, of the industry uh, and in uh, collaboration with Element Energy, uh, who's the, the project coordinator. We've uh, amassed uh, a group of over 20 companies in the area and submitted a, a bid to the European Commission's Green Deal, which ultimately would uh, be for a, a mass demonstration of TDHP systems across Europe, uh, over 3,000 systems deployed over the next uh, three or four years. Okay, and that presumably gathering data from those systems, the fact that that's an industry effort, that sort of thing can help to really understand how the technology can be installed, the performance of it, and build confidence for people to take that forward further. Exactly. You know, uh, over 20 organizations, six mm. suppliers, nine countries where there will be deployment, focus yeah. on focusing on residential systems, but also uh, low carbon gases and, and hydrogen readiness training over 100 installers. Those are all our our key uh, goals as part of that, that bid. And of course, yes, Underlining it all is building awareness and confidence from policymakers to to lend more attention to the technology longer term. But you're waiting for the decision on the the, the video, so fingers crossed. Yeah, we, uh, I think July, or so. We've yeah, got a few more months to wait. 
but we've um, we've got a really strong consortium there. So yeah, we cross the finger. Yeah, <laughs> everything crossed. Uh, well, best best of luck in in that. Uh, it's got to that time in the podcast now when it's time to bring out the talking new energy crystal ball, and I'm going to use the the dual settings of 2025 and 2030 and ask each of you to say where you think gas-driven heat pumps will be in those two years. So where will the market or the sector be in 2025 and 2030? And you can answer this from different perspectives. David, you might want to answer it from a French market perspective, Stefan potentially from your own product, Stephen from the wider industry. It's up to you how, how you answer it. Um, but David, do you want to go first? So uh, briefly, 2025, 2030, where will gas-driven or thermally-driven heat pumps be? So for the French market, uh, yes, I think uh, maybe I, I hope uh, my dream will will be uh, to have a, a share, a share maybe 10% of the of the market it will be it, it will it will be interesting because as mentioned before uh, if you want to reduce the price of product you need the volume okay yeah okay so um, yes I, i'm very optimistic optimistic uh, for the so for the french market so maybe we can imagine uh, maybe in in 202030 maybe 10 or 15% of the of the market share I hope. Okay. I hope for the French market. Okay. Thanks, David. Stefan, how about you? Yeah, I think in 2025 it's it's, it's very near. Eh? From a technology perspective, <laughs> that's uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, that that will mean that that we, together with some uh, large producers, uh, are heavily investing in scaling up. So it will still be uh, a niche market eh? from a from a from a European market perspective, but but really emerging, really uh, speeding up. And I think in 2030, uh, and I think we as a, as a consortium agree on this, that electric heat pumps and thermal driven heat pumps are not competitors. Uh, we need each other. Uh, mm -hmm. The energy transition is such a challenge and the pressure will be so high on the market to do something. Um, and also from a technology perspective, uh, we need each other. So uh, for, from our technology perspective, it's easy to, to, to add an electric heat pump to our, to, our, uh, to our cycle. And we make a super hybrid. So yeah. it's, it's either an electric heat pump and a thermally driven heat pump. We could also add a fuel cell. So it's a load balancing system. It, it, yeah. it, it can balance the, the energy system. And, um, and we have such a big challenge with, uh, with winter and summer, uh, with storage, uh, with the power grid, that we need each other to, uh, to, grow, to grow our markets. And, well, it's, um, a really, so, yeah. it's a really interesting point, Stefan, about the hybrids, because people think of a hybrid heat pump as an electric heat pump with a gas boiler but as you say electric heat pump with a gas driven heat pump and you have a really efficient hybrid yeah the super hybrid yeah that, that's super hybrid well that's a good yeah. name let's see if that sticks okay. yes um, it's Stephen, how about you uh what's your view of the future for 2025 and 2030 yeah i guess we've basically covered the 2025 but one additional uh, lever actually that i, I didn't mention uh, mm. Your previous question could be you know, the instances where, in the renovation context, where you have to meet certain criteria, for example, whether it's a, 
a percentage share of renewable energy or your new system, your new heating system has to be over 100% efficient, which basically yeah. means you need renewable heating. Uh, there's there's still few and far between instances of those kind of regulations across Europe just now, but I think as we move towards 2025, those could become more common, perhaps more so just at a regional level mm. than nationally, but there's no reason why thermally driven heat pumps couldn't take a share of that market, uh, you know, along with other low carbon heating systems, uh, okay. a range of systems. So that will grow. That will help. The, that will help the industry grow out of the niches in at the moment and gradually into more parts of the market. Um, for 2030. So for 2030, uh, I'll look back to our, our reheat EU consortium mm. again. So, given that our our demonstrator will be looking to wrap up around uh, 2005, you know the the ambition from or the, the minimum level of ambition from the consortium would be for TDHPs to gain. Uh, half a percent of the current gas boiler market in Europe. So half a percent per year out to 2030 would, would add up to around about half a million uh, thermal driven heat pumps installed base just from the projects that were involved in reheat. So as we've mentioned, there are other manufacturers that are already on the market and they'll continue to, to, to work there. Uh, work their products and there could well be some other entrants from overseas too. So. I think that that's that's certainly achievable. That's um, that's what I would be looking to see in twenty thirty. Well, we'll come back in twenty thirty and see see how we're doing, uh, if not earlier. Uh, so yeah. uh, that's been yeah a fascinating discussion on a technology that my guess is many listeners may not have known much about, and really appreciate David, Stefan, and Stephen you sharing your time, your insight on on your activities, what you're doing, and your clear, clear explanations. So thank you very much. And thank you, as always, to everyone listening. We hope we've broadened your horizons even further and look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode. Thanks and goodbye. Thanks. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.